Good morning, City of Hope. It's good to see your smiling faces in this place brought here by divine grace, ready to run the race till you see the Master face to face. Amen? That was free. As you know, we or um, will know that we are in a series, finishing up a series on the parable of the sower. And um, we have said each time and will say again uh, that Jesus told parables to separate uh, dabblers from true disciples those who would go the extra step, the extra mile, to ask Jesus to explain, to break down what he is saying in uh, layman's terms, that they might incorporate it into their life. Um, Those who did got revelation from him. Those who didn't turned away from him. Uh, This morning I want to speak to you from the subject of the pure-hearted hearer the pure-hearted hearer, also known as the dedicated disciple. And I want to speak to you um, from the three subjects that should be printed in your outline. Because the gospel has changed your heart, take pleasure in daily loving the sower. Because the gospel has changed your heart, take pleasure in daily loving the sower. Number two, because the gospel can change the world, take pride in lifting up the sower. Because the gospel can change the world, take pride in lifting up the sower. And the third point, because the gospel is always challenged, undertake to daily be loyal to the sower. Because the gospel is always challenged, undertake daily to be loyal to the sower. Let's, uh, let's pray and read the passages and talk about it a little bit. Let's pray. Our Father, once again, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. We give thanks because you are our Father in heaven forevermore. We're thankful that Jesus Christ is our Savior and your Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are, in fact, your children by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ. Father in heaven, as we come to you and we pray that you would be gracious and merciful, that you would teach us, rebuke us, correct us, train us in righteousness, make us more like Jesus by your spirit and word than we have ever been before. Father in heaven, you're able uh, to accomplish this. You desire to accomplish this, and we pray that you would for the glory of your holy name. Please help uh, me and uh, would you please be pleased to speak through me, make your appeal to the hearts of your people and may we leave this place uh, truly transformed and transforming by the power of your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, The pure-hearted hearer, the dedicated disciple, If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. And we want to look at verse 8. 
other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And if you turn to verse 23 of the same chapter, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. If you turn over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Another seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And over in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. If you turn to the gospel according to Luke, chapter 8, and in verse 8, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And in verse 15 of the same chapter, as for, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Um, in all of those uh, passages, you hear, as Jesus tells the parable, uh, He cries out, He who has ears or ears to hear, let him hear. Um, because the Gospel has changed your heart, take pleasure in daily loving the sower. Um, the fruit of, of the Gospel um, is a changed heart. Uh, the reason why that you know Jesus and you've been saved is because, because Jesus was sown into this world. He says so in John chapter uh, 12. In John chapter 12, verse 24, I'm sure you're uh, familiar with the passage. But in, in John 12, uh, in verse, uh, well, verse 23, and Jesus answered, Then the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And in the Gospel of John, you know that when Jesus talks about being glorified, He's talking about being crucified. Because it's in His crucifixion that the glory of God, the majesty and splendor of God, comes full bloom. He says, Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Jesus is that grain of wheat that came from heaven to earth and fell into the earth and died, was broken. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And that's the whole point. But if it dies, and Jesus did die, and you are the product of His death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that, that Jesus, although He was not 
uh, married in the traditional sense of the word. Uh, uh, he, he, had, he left this world with no offspring, but he would still see his offspring. He would see the product of his work on Calvary. And if you um, go on in John chapter uh, 12, and you look at verses uh, 32 and 33, Jesus uh, says there, um, in verse 32, uh, Jesus says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to Myself. He said this to show by what kind of death He was going to die. And uh, so Jesus is the reason why you and I are here. That seems obvious, but it's something that we need to remind ourselves of. That it was through the death of the Savior, through His burial, through His resurrection, that we came to know the Gospel. That Gospel seed was sown into our hearts. And we were changed and brought into the fold of God. We were born not according to our pedigree. We weren't born because we performed. We weren't born because the church said we were a saint. We were born because God, God made us born again by the Holy Spirit as He applied the Gospel to our hearts. And that is the reason why we are called to love. The Bible says we love because God first loved us. It's what separates Christianity from every other religion. Everybody else is doing it because they're trying to win God's approval and get God's favor in the end. Somehow my good works are going to outweigh my bad works. You know the illustration. That if you have two good eggs and you mix a rotten egg in it, it messes everything else up. And we all are rotten eggs, you know that. But by the grace of God, we have been changed and converted. So love, love for the sower, and notice it's love for the sower. It's love for what the sower does. The sower plants the seed of the gospel in our heart. It's love. It's loving Jesus in that particular aspect as the sower, the one who sows the seed in our hearts. There's all kinds of reasons why we love Jesus, but in this context, it's a call to love the sower. To love the fact that He wants to sow His Word in our hearts. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Psalm, chapter 119, the psalmist could say, David said in that long psalm, I won't take time to read the entire uh, chapter. Now, that was supposed to make you laugh, but that's okay. Um, it's 176 verses, and <clears throat> maybe next time I will take the time to do so. Um, but Psalm 119, verse 72, it says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. And then in the uh, same chapter, verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Um, and, and the law, as you know, that word is the word Torah. And uh, traditionally spoke about the books of Genesis through Deuteronomy. And it wasn't just a group of do's and don'ts, but it was the history of God redeeming His people. It was God's covenant love. And in view of His covenant love, we love the lover of our soul. We sang about that 
uh, today. Uh, the Bible says in, in Proverbs 8 and 11 that His Word, God's Word, is, is nothing. Remember when Sinead O'Connor sang that song, Nothing Compares With You. Well, um, Sinead need to open up her Bible and read in Proverbs chapter 8 where it says, um, uh, verse 11, 10 and 11, Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. No, they're not. <laughs> wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire, all that you may desire, cannot compare with her. Because wisdom is God's word to us. As it is uh, symbolized there in Proverbs, we, we come to find in the New Testament that Jesus is the wisdom from God. He is wisdom. Every treasure of wisdom and knowledge is found in Jesus. Nothing and no one compares with Christ. And how He is revealed in the Scripture. It is a deplorable situation in the church of Jesus Christ today because uh, a lot of people just don't know their Bible. They are illiterate biblically. They know all, all of, the, all of the, uh, uh, the books that are bestsellers, uh, the books that have sold uh, over a million copies. Some people even Google what books have sold over a million copies. I want to read that. I often look at MSN when they have those lists of books, all the books that you need to read, and, and they never list the Bible. I wonder why. Because they're pagans, that's why. There's no reason, there's no question why they don't list it. List, list it. Uh, we, we, the Bible is incomparable to any other book, to any other form of entertainment. I said last week, I'll say it again, you know, you have time today. You're off, you're apparently off, or you're even that, or you're late for work, right? <laughs> and so you're off, you got time today. Sit down and read a whole, a whole book of the Bible. It's okay if you pick Obadiah. It's only one chapter. That's okay. That's the start, right? <laughs> Work your way up to, to Isaiah and the book of Psalms. You know, I know you don't have time to do it all, but I'm just saying it's, it's setting aside a time in your life every day where you meditate on Scripture, meditate on the Word of God, ask Jesus to feed your soul. We've been talking about it. Uh, we've slowed the sower down to talk about it at length because it is a necessary thing. That's the first thing Satan always attacks is the Word of God. He wants to get you away from it because he knows the power of it. And if you're filled with it, it's very difficult for his so-called kingdom to move forward. Get your mind in the Scripture. Uh, we should be the type of people who know the Bible, who love the lover of our soul, who love the sower so much that we know the word that he sows. If someone were just to say, what's Isaiah 65 about? You'd be able to say, well, it's generally about this. Because it's in you. The Word is in you. I have a vision for the people of God, not in a legalistic fashion, but you'd be able to go through the Bible. Genesis 1 is about this. Genesis 2 is about that. Without opening up your Bible and go straight through to the book of Revelation and have a general picture of what that chapter is about. That the Word would be so entrenched in you, so ingrained in you, that it would, it would, you, when, when, when someone pressed you, the Scripture would just seep out of you. You know, when you press a grape, you get grape juice. If you press a grape looking for orange juice, there's something wrong with you. And when you press a Christian, what do you get? You should get Jesus. When you try to crush a Christian, you should get the Scripture. 
You should get the word of God. I know a guy who was almost killed in a car accident. Car hit him. The first thing out of his mouth was, Lord Jesus, please help me. For some of us, it would have been another four-letter word, right? Hey, you know, it's real. We need the scripture in us. We need the scripture filling us. You know, um, if you fill up your car, some, some of you have experience at a gas station, you fill up a car, you know, you put the gas in the tank, and if you go on uh, driving and driving, and keep on driving and don't look at the needle and keep on driving, sooner or later your car is going to stop because the gas runs out. That stuff don't last in your tank forever. You know, I wish it did because the price is too high. But we need to be filled with the Spirit, filled with the Word. We leak. Isn't that true? You get filled, you get excited, but then you leak. You need to go back to, to the Scripture, not the station, but you need to go back to the Scripture and get filled. Um, love not only hears the Word, but love treasures what the sower says in order to understand his word of the kingdom. Remember, the first seed that was sown along the path uh, was eaten up by the birds, never got in the soil. And Luke tells us because it was despised, it wasn't treasured, it was trampled on. And we need to be a people who treasure the word of God, who treasure to understand the word of the kingdom. Um, When we don't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches. And the word of the kingdom is the word of, of the king. It's the word of the king saying to you, I came to reign. I come to rule your life. I come to run the show. It is true. It's Jesus' way or the highway. Um, he's the only one who can say that. Uh, but, but, the, but the word of the kingdom is a word of repentance. It's the word that John the Baptist preached. It's the word that Jesus preached. Repent for the king is here. Make a path for him. Make straight his way. Let him have his way with you. The word of the kingdom, as you remember, is a word that says, I am bankrupt without Jesus. I need Jesus. I am impoverished in my spirit. And I need to feed on Jesus every day. And if I don't get my fix, you know how you've seen people say, I need my fix, I need my hit. They don't know what they're doing. It's drug addiction. But you and I are supposed to be Jesus addicts. And you need a fix. You need a hit every day, throughout the day, meditating on the Word of God. Soaking up the Scripture like a sponge so that when you get squeezed, that Scripture comes out of you. You know, a lot of times people don't like that word that Jesus is king and not us. We need to admit our need for the king and be willing to offer our life up for him. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10 said that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a relationship between impoverished of spirit, bankruptcy, admitting your need for Jesus and willing to give your life up for him. And that's what it means to understand and accept that word of the king, that word of the kingdom. Are you willing to give up your life for him? The, the book of Mark in chapter 4, verse 20, we read says, love means to not only hear the word, not only understand the word of the kingdom, but to accept and subscribe to the sower. When you go on YouTube, you see a 
YouTube video you like, you subscribe to the one who posted it because you want to see more of what they're doing. You want to hear more from them. Some of you all have TED Talks. Subscribe because you like the talks and you want to hear more. And you want a little email that tells you there's a new video been posted. And we are people that are supposed to subscribe to the word of the sower because we constantly want him to tell us more. We constantly want his guidance. We constantly want him to send us mail, so to speak, every single day. I want to hear what he has to say because without him, I don't know the way. What does it say? We just sang it. Lead me and guide me along the way. For if you lead me out, I will not stray. Um, love, love not only accepts it, it holds fast with an honest and good heart, it says in Luke. Uh, he holds fast with an honest and good heart the word of the sower. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Founded on the rock means what? It means hearing his word and doing, holding fast to what Jesus says. If you hold fast, you can last. And that's just not a rhyme. It's something to keep it in your mind all the time. Uh, the means of obedience, uh, that's what it means, obedience. Not, not obedience to get saved, but obedience because you've been saved. Uh, Jesus said it like this, if you really love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. If you really love me, Jesus says, you'll keep my commandments. Not because you're trying to win my approval, but because you adore him and you want to follow him. Albeit imperfectly, that's the trajectory of your life, the direction of your life. Your walk is that obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he'll give you help. He'll give you a helper to help you keep God's commandments. The Spirit of God uh, lives inside of you and he creates a desire and the power inside of you to live a life that's pleasing to God. It says that in Ezekiel uh, chapter 36 as well as Philippians. In Ezekiel 36, um, the promises of God are uh, are for everybody in Jesus Christ. Ezekiel 36, verse uh, 24, it says, uh, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all countries and bring you into my own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you, verse 26 of 36, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God will give you help. In verse 21 of John 14, it says, um, whoever, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Uh, the, the, the call to hold fast to the word of God is a call to love Jesus. The life of a Christian is the life of someone who has been covenantally loved by God through Jesus Christ by the Spirit and, and, and responding in covenant love to Jesus Christ. How would it be if you got married and you were the one who was loving your spouse, but your spouse had no love or taste for you? Well, that's a, that's, that's a bad situation, man. 
you know. But, but a marriage, Jesus is the bridegroom, you're the bride. It's that scene of running on the beach, you know, and not tripping over a seashell or getting bit by a horseshoe crab, but, but running on the beach and embracing and loving and adoring, loving Jesus because he first loved us. You can never disconnect those things. It's not just loving Jesus, loving the one who loves you. He has loved you and everything that you do is an outworking of his love for you. And as soon as you drop his love for you, you become a Pharisee. Um, and so reading the word of God uh, works that in you. Look at Deuteronomy real quickly. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, uh, verse, uh, verse 10. Deuteronomy 4, verse 10, or 9 and 10. 9 and 10, only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. He's talking to the, the nation of Israel, the second generation that's about to enter into the promised land, and he's telling them, take care lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, God's love demonstrated towards you. God's judgment against those who refuse to love him. Take care that your eyes don't forget that, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, that's Moses, gather the people to me. Why? That I may let them hear my words. Why? so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on earth, and that they may teach their children so. Hearing the Word of God, hearing what God has done in the past, hearing what He has done in His love and in His judgment and His salvation and His mercy and His grace, it changes you. When your heart is open, when your ears are open, hearing that Word, can change. It, it, it enables you to fear Him. And fear does not mean that you run scared with your hands in the air screaming. Fear means that you have a, a settled awe of God. You are in awe of what He has done. And, and David said at one time, he says, yes, I am afraid of your judgments. And that's why I love your law. And at the same time, the, the, the fear of the Lord, it says, uh, there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Now, if God is a forgiving God, that doesn't mean that you're going to run out the building with your hands in the air screaming like you're scared you saw a ghost. It means that there's a settled sense of awe, that you are overwhelmed with the reality of your sin, but you are even more overwhelmed with the reality of your Savior who has loved you in spite of your sin. And that gospel has captured you. It has arrested your attention. And you see nothing on this earth that compares with the wisdom of God demonstrated in Jesus Christ when He hung on a cross for sinners to reconcile you, to bring you back to God, to restore you back to a peaceful re relationship with your Creator. That you are captured by that reality. The beauty of the Gospel has enraptured your soul. Paul said, I would rather go and be with Christ 
He said, I long to see him. Can't wait to get there. Is that the posture of your heart? Is that your attitude? I can't wait to see Jesus and put my hand in the Master's hand and see the print of the nail that shouts forgiveness for my soul. Can't wait to throw myself on the ground at the feet of the Master and say I'm home, finally home. I made it by Your grace, by Your mercy. Hear your Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy in his presence is fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Can't wait to get there. The Bible says that there is a gratitude that you and I should have. The sower has an objective. Jesus is the sower. It says so in Matthew chapter uh, 13, um, verse uh, 37. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Jesus is the sower. He has an objective that you might bear much fruit. That's what it says in John chapter 15. You know that passage. We've read it before. John 15, 1 through 11. Jesus says that, that I am the vine. He says, I am the true vine. Israel was the vine that God planted in the Old Testament, but Israel messed up. They yielded wild grapes. And Jesus comes along years later and says, I am the true vine, the pure vine. My Father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that bears fruit, the Father prunes. And every branch that doesn't bear fruit, He cuts off and throws away and it burns up in fire. And He says, you are already clean. You are already pruned. The word prune and the word clean are the same root. You're already pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. And so pruning is often a, a painful process to cut something away, to cut some habit out of your life, to cut some attitude out of your life. It's a painful process. It happens through the word of God. That Jesus aims to sanctify folk. He aims to change you. He aims to transform you. And He does it through the Spirit by the Word. Sanctify them by the truth. Thy Word is truth. And so when we cut ourselves away from Scripture, we cut ourselves away from sanctification. We cut ourselves away from Jesus' objective and aim in saving us. It's to shape us and make us more like Himself. The Bible says that we need that kind of pruning. We need that kind of cleansing. We need to abide in the Word. Um, Christ has, has an objective, and that objective is sanctification. That objective is to change your identity. He has already changed your identity. The Bible says that when God saved you, you became a... a, a a chosen race, a holy nation, a people who are God's own treasured possession, a, a royal priesthood. And your objective is to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Um, and his objective is that of a royal priesthood. You are 
a priest, a royal priesthood. God's people are royal priests. And royal priests are, are meant to, um, to take territory. Uh, that's what kings do. You notice what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 17, uh, the words that God gave to His people with respect to kings. He said about the king in Deuteronomy 17, um, verse 18 through uh, 20, He said that you will make a king and you, when the king sits on his throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a book, a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. Imagine that. A person who had authority like a king, they were supposed to actually write a copy of God's law, word for word. They were supposed to write it down. They were supposed to be intimately acquainted with the Scripture. And it shall be with him. And he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord, his God, by keeping all his words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brother's and that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in the kingdom, he and his children in Israel. You know, that, that has been ultimately fulfilled, <clears throat> fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He's the king. But in like manner, once you have been incorporated, united to Jesus Christ, you have become prophet, priest, and king. And so the same objective still is there is that you and I would feed on the Scripture, feed on the Word of God, so that when we go out with the King, we would be useful to the King as He has called us to partner with Him in taking uh, the nations for His name. God has already given the world as Jesus' possession and the nations as His uh, possession, His inheritance. And you and I are called to gather with Him. Because the gospel can change the world, take pride in lifting up the sower. Because the gospel can change the world, take pride in lifting up the sower. Um, the pleasure of hearing and treasuring uh, the sower's words um, comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. A life given up for the sower. A life given up to the sower's will. You know, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but thy will be done. And it's not like Jesus had some kind of bad will. His will was to stay in perfect fellowship and communion with his Father. And what he contemplated was becoming sin, the very thing he hated. What he contemplated was being forsaken and abandoned by God on the cross and taken by death. That's what he contemplated. And he didn't want that. He wanted to remain in fellowship with his Father. He wanted something good. And there's often many things in your life that are good. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with them. And you, you desire those things. You want those things. And you look forward to those things. And sometimes they just don't work out the way you planned them to work out. And sometimes you, you fight to get them and to have them. And, 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 and God calls us at a cost, he says that you and I every day I should be saying to God, not my will, but let thy will be done. It's that type of posture, it's that type of attitude that God endeavors to use mightily in the world. But if it's always a fight between what you want and what God wants all the time, and we never submit ourselves to his will and never, never lead in that way, it's, it's difficult for God to make use of us other than to show the world what we should not be. 
um, God calls us to submit ourselves, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that everything else will be added to us. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 13, it says he indeed bears fruit. Jesus said when we abide in the gospel and when we abide in him, there is no other way. We will bear fruit. When that word is abiding in us, when we are abiding in the gospel and we are endeavoring to to, to, be, to have Jesus sow his word in our heart, the, the inevitable end result is that we will bear fruit. We will be fruitful. Uh, Paul said it like this. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. His whole life was focused on Christ. What does Christ want? How does Christ want me to live? For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I go on living in the flesh, it means fruitful labor, for me. Paul said it like that. He said, as long as I'm here, I'm here for fruitful labor. You and I must embrace that same type of character, that same type of quality. Because when Christ was in the earth, that's what he did on our behalf. He counted you more significant than himself. He sought what was in your best interest when he was here. With all his power and all his authority and all his wisdom, if you had all the power and authority of God, what would you do with it? If you had omnipotence and omnipresence and omniscience, you knew everything, you had all power, you could be everywhere at the same time, what would you do with that? I could think of a lot of things I'd like to do with that. If I had all power, if God let go of the reins of sovereignty and said, okay, Brian, would you have sovereignty? Absolute. Oh man, my imagination would go wild. And nobody else would be here because I'd probably wreck the place. <laughs> it would be a train wreck, man. I'm going to tell you that right now. But Jesus, with all of his power and all of his authority, when he had it at his disposal, he said, this is what I'll do. I'll humble myself and become a servant. I'll die on a cross for sinners so that they can get saved. I mean, that's crazy, right? He had it all. Satan gave him a way out. Hey, you can bow down to me. He's like, get out of here, man. Get lost. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more. That's right. Isn't that what he told him? That's, that's an urban translation of that uh, passage in Matthew chapter 4. But anyway, <coughs> he had all that power, and he sought to humble himself, to be broken, to be humiliated, to be spit on, to be treated wrongfully, and to be crucified of all things, naked with nothing on, bearing your cross, bearing the wrath of God. He had all that power, and that's what he did with it, to lift you. And so, so that's why Paul can say, for to me to live is Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to fellowship in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. That's why Paul said that thing. He wasn't trying to be a Pharisee all over again. Paul had been captured by love, man, by gracious love that he didn't deserve. He had been rescued by the love of Jesus Christ. And he said, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. As long as I'm in the flesh, he said, I'm going to pursue your progress and your joy in the faith so that every single time you and I connect or come together, I will give you ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ. That's the way we're supposed to do life. That's the way we're supposed to do relationships when we get together for coffee, for tea, whatever it might be. Even for a movie night. Come on, somebody. Y'all got them, I know it. When we get together, that when we leave one another, 
that we have given them reason, reason to ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ. That's right. You got to analyze what you see on the silver screen, man. Break it down and bring it down to the scripture so that when, it's, when, the, when it says the end, you sit down and have a discussion. You know what I'm saying? About how the gospel intersects with that thing. I know y'all just want to chill out sometimes, but you know you, you know. Anyway. You know, Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, look, whoever's not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. He said that in a context when he cast a demon out of somebody. And he talked about the strong man who, who was Satan and how a stronger man came along and bound up Satan and plundered his property, plundered the people that Satan had under his control. And then he said, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. And so Jesus calls us to have an have a, have a objective in life, an aim in life. I am here to bear fruit for the gospel, fruit for the kingdom, fruit for the king. That's why I exist. My identity is not uh, this or that. My identity is I am a chosen race. I've been chosen. I'm a holy nation, part of a holy nation, right? A royal priest. And my calling is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called him, me out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's not just for preachers. That's for believers. That's for every single person who names the name of the Lord. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell the story about how you came out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's your identity. It doesn't make a difference what you do on your job. Your identity is a child of the king. God wants you, uh, he has sown his word in you, and his objective is to sow you in the world as someone who sows his word in other people. Look at uh, chapter 13 of Matthew. Um, chapter 13, verse 37 and 38. <coughs> the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the word and the good seed. The son of man sows the good seed. If you understand the parable of the sower, you'll understand all the other parables. The son of man, Jesus, sows the good seed. The field is the word, world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Jesus is sowing you in the world as someone who sows him in others. Sows the word in other people. Sows Jesus in other people. That's our objective. That's our calling. Um, because the gospel can change the world. Lift up. Take pride in lifting up the, the sower. Um, God is the type of God who who reaps, the Bible says, where he did not sow seed and gathers where he did not scatter seed because there's an expectation when God sows the seed in you and sows you in the world, there's an expectation that there's going to be fruit produced. There's an expectation that there's going to be growth, that there's going to be development of the seed he sowed in you. So he may have planted the seed here, he's coming back to gather over here because there's an expectation that there's going to be growth. Um, that's what God comes to do. And, 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 and you, lift up the, you lift up the sower by displaying the sower's character. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. 
we should be increasing in those things. We should be praying for those things on a daily basis. Take one of those things a week. Father, help me to grow in love. Help me to grow in peace and in patience and joy. Spend a week and ask God to help me grow in joy. And uh, be careful the week you ask God to let you grow in patience. Because tribulation worketh patience. But uh, if your objective is growth, if your objective is sowing the seed, your objective must be the fruit of the Spirit being born inside of you. Um, the Bible says you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Let your light so shine and before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Um, I only have a couple more things to say, but I want you to be strong, so I'm going to go a little, maybe a little long, but don't worry about it. Uh, we paid the bill. If we see people coming at the back door, just hold them off. <laughs> they be saying, it's our turn. Tell that man to shut up. You, know? <laughs> ah. you pray for me. You know what I mean? Don't complain. Don't sit there and complain. Pray for me. You know what I mean? Pray for me. You know, folk, folk complain. You're going along today. You know, everybody start looking at the watch. Pray. You know what I mean? Pray. And the word will go faster. You know what I'm saying? And your heart will understand it better. You know what I mean? That's what I need. I need prayer, folks. I mean, this is easy. I understand. I mean, it's easy. It's not easy. It's all work, man. Come on. Pray. Say a little prayer. Father, help him to finish it up. Amen. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 24, it says to those who knew the word of God, it says that the name of, the, of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles, and then it says something very hard. It says it's because of you. Ouch. You know what I mean? And it says in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, that was said to Jews, but it's also said to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says bad company corrupts good morals. There are some people who, who do not have faith. I say this to your shame. Because the church has exchanged its purpose, its identity uh, of reaching out to the lost, to something else. There has to be that, that character development as well as that outreach into the world. Um, lift up the sower by sharing the message um, of the gospel. That's what our calling is, to share Jesus Christ with the world. There's only one way to get saved. There's only one way that people who don't know Jesus are going to come to know Jesus is when people who know Jesus go tell people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. God can do it all by himself. He doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need anybody. He can shout from the sky, here I am, y'all. <laughs> Probably wouldn't say it exactly that way. But, but he could do that. But God chose us. Imagine that, that former enemies, former rebels. He says, I want you to partner with me. I've got a project. I want, to set, I want, I want my, my, the glory of my name to be spread from sea to sea. And I want you to help me in this project. We should be glad. Happy, joyful, come on, let's go. If we knew where God was taking us, sometimes we'd say, oh no, like Jonah, we'd run away. But like we said before, there's a fish out there, got your name on it, so don't do that thing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got seaweed wrapped around your head, you're going to be in the fish, you're going to be praying to the Lord. Spit me out, God, you know. I don't want to go the other way. I'm on. And, and so, because of the gospel can change the world, take pride in lifting up the soul. Lift him up. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Jesus said, I will build my church. He's going to do it. 
He just wants you to faithfully come along for the ride. He put gifts in you for a reason, put graces in you for a reason, to share those things with other people. All right, last point. Because the gospel is always challenged, undertake daily to be loyal to the Savior. Luke says they bear fruit with patience or perseverance. We can't give up when we see slow changes in our heart. Sometimes you've got a re repeated sin, keeps cropping up, and you, you want to give up. Why, is it, why do I keep struggling with this? Don't give up. It takes time. You know, if you could grow a watermelon overnight, you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> it takes time to grow a watermelon. If you have a baby and you wake up the next morning and the baby is six feet tall, you've got a problem. You've got to crawl before you walk, man. It takes time. And don't, you know, we can't fall for it. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and uh, he was despairing. He, he thought he lost his salvation because he had been listening to, to preachers who say, uh, when I got saved, I put that away, and I've never had the desire again. Every time I hear a preacher say that, I say, you a liar. You lying between your teeth. Telling people that you ain't never had a desire again. Come on, man. The Bible says very clearly the flesh is always lusting against the spirit. The spirit is always lusting against the flesh. There's always a war going on inside of you. But that's why he calls us to walk by the spirit. You know, when you plant a garden and you, you put down the organic soil and plant some seeds and you go out there and you look for the fruit and you see weeds. How'd that stuff get there? It's the world, man. We, the world got weeds, you know? You got to get in there and dig them things out of there. And when you do it, you say, okay, I'm done. Don't use Roundup, folks. There's a lawsuit about that stuff, you know that? Um, but, but, they, but, you know, I'm, I said that because I love you, you know? But, but you go out there, you take the weeds, and you come back, and there's weeds again. Where they come from? It's the world, man. You know what I mean? You got to, every single day, you got to weed the garden of your heart. Am I right about it? Because if you don't, man, stuff starts growing. Stuff starts growing, man. It starts growing like moss up inside of your heart. You know, where'd that come from? It came from you. That which fills the heart comes out your mouth. You remember the illustration of the bottle? You shake the bottle. You know that? Why did water come out the bottle? Because you shook it. No, because water was in the bottle. <laughs> you know? Water came out the bottle because water was in the bottle. Put the scripture in the, in the heart. You shake the person, scripture comes out. Word of God comes out. Christ-centeredness comes out. Don't give up. Don't despair. Don't let Satan tempt you to despair. My man was on the phone with me for two hours because he thought he had lost it. Satan was on his back accusing him. The Bible says, what do you do when Satan starts accusing? You start preaching the gospel to Satan. What does the cross mean, Satan? What does the blood of Jesus mean? What does the righteousness of Christ mean? Tell him all about it. Shut him up. They overcame him by the power of the blood. By the power of the Lamb's blood, by the word of their testimony, by the Lamb's blood. I can't even get it straight myself. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not care for their lives even unto death. They were ready to give up their life for Jesus. Furthermore, don't fall for um, the false perfectionism. Jesus said, if I have lost all desire to sin, then there's no reason to repent. Isn't that right? Jesus said, if any man will come unto me, he must deny himself and daily take up his cross. There's stuff that needs to die in you, in me, every single day. 
The Bible says exhort one another every day while it is called today, lest anyone be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You and I need daily exhortation to stick with Jesus. Or we will get deceived and we will fall away. Not lose it. You ain't going to lose yourself. Once you're in, you're in, man. Door shut. Only go one way. (laughs) Once you go through Jesus, baby, you ain't getting out. There's no way out, baby. Nobody's getting out of Jesus. If you're in Jesus, if you're in Jesus, you don't want to get out. Do you want to get out? No. Crazy if you want to get out. You need your mind renewed. I'm almost done, folks. That means 50 more minutes. I'm just joking. (laughs) We need daily exhortation. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of the heart flow the recesses of life. All of the rivers of life come out of the heart. Heart needs to be kept. The way you keep your heart, how does a man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Thy word have I hidden in my heart. Meditation on the lover of your soul. Um, we must not give up when the door shuts in our face. You know, sometimes when, when people don't listen to the gospel, they don't want to hear the gospel, sometimes it's from God. It's a hard word to hear, but it's sometimes from God. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 said that the reason why some people are perishing is because they fail to love the truth. They fail to love the truth and so be saved. They're not interested in salvation. They're interested in their own being, own, own sovereignty. And the Bible says it this way, that um, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Um, patience often means tribulation, persecution. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, I send you out a sheep among wolves. You will be hated. And you will, you will, uh, people will hate you uh, for for connecting your life with Jesus Christ. But in light of all of that, Jesus said the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Not one of them can fall to the ground. You are worth more than many sparrows. God has made you a communicator of His Word. His Word is never returned to Him empty. The Bible says the passage that was read, read, and we will uh, conclude with these 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 words that um, uh, God's word does never return to him void. It accomplishes the purpose for which he sent it. It succeeds in the thing for which he's given it. It will bring about transformation in this world, and it will bring a name for God. Don't give up. You will reap a harvest if you faint not. Um, The Bible calls us uh, to faithfulness, uh, regardless, perseverance, Regardless, God is going to bear a harvest through your message. It's going to happen. Sometimes it happens after everything else is gone. Sometimes people don't see the harvest until after they are are gone. But the harvest is going to happen. Jesus will build his church. Let us pray. Our Father, in Christ's name, we thank you for the, the patience with which you handle our lives. God, help us to be people who are thoroughly immersed and engrossed in the Scripture. People who simply cannot get enough of what you say. And Father, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes we, our hearts are drawn to other things. Our mind is, is taken by other things and, and, and life happens. Uh, responsibilities happen and we, we, we can't get to the Word like we ought to. Father, give us grace. Give us grace to sit and feed on Scripture, to meditate, to put a tape in the car when we drive, to do something 
to get our minds on your word, that we might be filled richly with your word, that it might be sown in us as we have been sown in this world, and that we, we may be about the business of sowing Jesus in the hearts of others. We ask this for your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.